Bread and water is what we need and what we have in Jesus Christ. He said, come to me and drink. He said, I am the bread of life. Welcome, and thank you for joining us here for the Bread of Life, a listener-supported program of the International Mission, Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn more, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Our Christian faith rests in this most basic thing, Christ is all. Let's learn from Him. Let's learn about Him. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. 1 Corinthians 11.31 says that if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. There is a revelation in God's Word that the Christian will be judged before Christ and before entering into eternal life. Not judged to determine heaven or hell, but to determine reward or loss of reward that you will carry with you into eternity. Now, this place of judgment is called the judgment seat of Christ. Let's learn more about it. Romans 14, 10-12 says this, Why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt? For your brother, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. And a key passage here is, We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The Greek word there is the bema seat, and it actually is like the porch or the final step that you stand on just before you come before the throne of the king or the judge. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 9 through 10 says this. It repeats this word bima in the Greek. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. The verses that we've read where it speaks about not being judged or standing before the judgment seat of Christ, this Bema seat, is not an expression of the judgment will take place for individuals who have never given their lives to Jesus Christ or receive Him as Savior. That's a judgment to determine whether they go to heaven or whether they go to hell. This is a judgment that is particularly directed towards the believer or the follower of Jesus Christ. It's not a judgment to determine heaven or hell. That judgment is behind the person who has put their faith in Jesus Christ. This is a judgment to determine the reward or the lack of reward that Christ will bestow upon you before you pass into heaven. There are lots of passages of Scripture where the Bible tells us that we will receive as believers before we enter heaven crowns Crowns of rejoicing and crowns of righteousness. And the Bible even says what we're going to do with those crowns. The book of Revelation says that when we come before the throne of the Lord Jesus Christ and the angels cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. It says that we're going to take the crowns off our heads that He gave us, the rewards that we receive for our faithful serving of Him, and we're going to throw them at His feet. And we're going to say, not unto us be glory and honor and praises, but unto you be glory and honor and praises forever and ever and ever. And so these rewards are uh, the means or they're going to be expressions of the means through which we'll continue to express our worship of God throughout all eternity in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll know, Lord Jesus, these things, these crowns that we receive were not rendered they were not produced by our own effort by our own power by our own innovation and strength because we rose somehow above the heads of others 
but because we received and we took advantage of, you might say, the grace that you gave us. And we labored under the power of your grace and your life imparted to us. And so this is a judgment to determine how faithful you were in God's house of salvation. God saves you. God brings you into his family. And then he calls you into the family business to glorify him, to proclaim him to others, to obey him before a disobedient world. And there's coming a time when your life as a follower of Jesus Christ is going to be judged by Christ himself at the throne or before that Bema seat to determine reward or loss that you will receive and take with you into heaven's eternity. This judgment happens as he brings you near to himself and then he deals with you. And the wonderful thing is even now he brings us near to himself and he deals with us, which would indicate, and this is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 31, judge yourself lest you be judged, that there's an opportunity for us now to correct some attitude or action in our life that is diminishing our reward before him so that we might take as much with us as possible before his presence to cast at his feet. But we're going to have to give an account for what we did with what he gave us before we go into heaven. And for a lot of people, that doesn't sound right. I mean, wait, I I thought the gospel was this free gift that God gave me where he forgives me of all my sins and I go to heaven and it's all provided for and it's all taken care of. And now you're telling me that even though I'm going to heaven, that I've got to go through some kind of judgment in which I'm going to have something maybe potentially taken away from me or there's a limit of what I'm going to be able to bring in, in, in terms of my enjoyment or experience in heaven. And you know that there's, you're, you're telling me that there's still ongoing responsibilities in my life that I'm going to be held account for? That doesn't sound like the gospel to me. But what you have to understand is When the Lord Jesus saves us and when he redeems us from our sins, what he does is he removes from us the responsibility and the punishment of that sin. But when he removes from us the responsibility and the accountability and the judgment that should come upon us for those sins, what God does in saving us is he gives us new and better responsibilities. Every benefit and every blessing of God is an added responsibility that he gives to us. It's not like he saves you and then he removes from your life all responsibilities so you can do whatever you want and there's no accounting. So he says, I have something better for you. I have better responsibilities for you. I mean, that's how it is in life. A family, a young couple goes for some years without a child and they pray for a child. They want the blessing and the reward of that child and the day comes when they find out they're with child and they have a child and it's a blessing and it's a reward and it's... A responsibility, a huge responsibility for the rest of their lives. And it brings them more and more responsibility, and that's the blessing. And actually, their faithfulness in raising that child and caring for that child and nurturing it and watching over that child is somewhat of an indication and revelation of how much they valued that blessing. What a blessing it was. The same is true for us. There's going to be an accounting before Christ of what we did with the reward of his salvation. It'll be a judgment to see to what extent we truly valued that salvation and to what extent we made light of it. And what we're being told here is there's an opportunity to correct our lives and to avoid a judgment of loss. Instead, go through a period of time in which we'll experience before Christ 
a judgment bringing to us even more and richer rewards, new responsibilities that will come to us as we worship before His throne throughout all eternity. So again, the word is now, if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. And so our message last week was really a message on our need to judge ourselves. And I actually believe this is very important in the day and age in which we live. There's been a sense in which we've decided to give ourselves a pass on how we're supposed to live and conduct ourselves, but no, there's commended to us here this necessity for self-judgment. But let me just give you a few words before you jump into the task of judging yourself. Just a few words to kind of narrow down that judgment and make sure that you're doing the self-judgment in the proper way. And the first thing is this. Don't mistake judging yourself for the introspective exercise of rationalizing your actions. Don't mistake judging yourself for the introspective exercise of rationalizing your actions. A person can spend a lot of time in what looks like meaningful self-analysis, but it is an analysis to find some reason outside of themselves for their behavior, how they were raised, the set of temperament that they inherited from their forebears, what form of trauma they experienced in the past, what was done to them that was formative to the way they're behaving now, what they did to themselves that's hardwired them to behave in certain ways. Now, look, I'm not saying that it's not actually helpful at some point in time to find that linkage between what you think and feel and what you do with what maybe was thought and felt and what was encouraging you and built in you by the way that you were raised and by the experiences you went through and by the interaction of life that you experienced and the things that were done to you and the things that you did yourself. That may be actually helpful to some extent in guiding you to change negative actions and behaviors in your life. But, but, for the most part, this kind of introspection leads to an overall sense that you've been the victim of some strange and unique circumstances that produce the way you behave. And here's what you have to understand about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus offers very little to victims. The gospel is not a call to victims of sin, although all of us, by the way, could qualify. All of us could tell a story of how we've been victimized and we've suffered as the result of what other people have done and what happens in the world around us and because of the environment we grew up in. But the gospel is not a call to victims of sin. The gospel is a call to guilty rebels to find forgiveness before a God who is waiting to show them mercy. We do not come before God with confessions that we have behaved badly because He put us in bad circumstances. We behave badly because He's allowed bad things to happen to us. That's not a confession, by the way. That's a complaint. No. We come like the tax collector before the temple and we beat our chest and we say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. It is as sinners responsible for our sins that we find mercy and grace and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And it is in that forgiveness that God gives to us as guilty sinners that we find actually a release from the wounds that we bear and we've received from those who have sinned against us. And so, again, let me just put it this way. The self-judgment that God is calling for is not a search for reasons beyond your control for why you are the way you are. 
Your self-judgment is not a search for what others have done and what you've experienced to explain why you are the way you are. The judgment we're talking about is what's in you and your attitude and your heart and your rebellion and your resistance and your selfishness that has the greatest bearing in your life and drives you from God's forgiveness and drives you from experiencing God's power. That's the self-judgment we're talking about. And that's a judgment that we're not really good at in our generation. Our generation has become honed in all the different terminology to express and explain why we do what we do because of what others have done to us or because of just the mistakes we've made that have put us on the wrong path. But we think we can figure all those things out. We can just tread the stones backward and get out from that situation. But we need God's grace. God's grace to intervene in whatever place you find yourself in situation to intervene and rescue and reverse the trend in your life. And the only way to do that is not as a victim, but it's as a responsible agent who's confessing their sins before God. Here's a second thing and a third thing to keep in mind when you go into the self-analysis, and it's this. And it kind of builds off what we've just said here, but keep in mind that this self-analysis is not a demand that you make upon yourself to live up to your expectations or the expectations of others. Keep in mind that this self-analysis is not a demand that you make upon yourself to live up to your own expectations or the expectations of others. And third, this goes along with it. Consider that this self-judgment has to have a limit. It can't keep going on and on and on, or it will actually produce that exact result we've talked about. It will turn into a place in which you are simply measuring yourself by your own expectations or the expectations of others. This has been the Bread of Life program of the International Evangelism and Discipleship Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. You can find links to our international work at breadoflifeboise.org. There too you can find information on the local mission of Bread of Life Fellowship Church and archives for these and other messages. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you.